Hey, special educators, I'm Jennifer from Positively Learning. Welcome to the Special Educators Resource Room. If you're like me, you're always looking for ways to save time and streamline your work. That's why this podcast was created to give you the systems and solutions you need to get your time back. Tune in for tips, tricks, and tools that will help you manage your workload and make the most of your time. Whether you're brand new or experienced, all are welcome in the Special Educators Resource Room. Hey, Special Educators, this is Jennifer from Positively Learning. Thanks so much for joining me here. Today, we're going to be talking about classroom accommodations. Now, if this sounds familiar, we do have a previous episode. It's episode nine, where I describe the differences between accommodations versus modifications. I go into some definitions and some examples, and then we go off on a little tangent. And by we, I mean me, and I'm talking about accommodations, who's providing them, and what do you do when they're not being implemented. So be sure to check out episode nine. Now for this episode, I want to dive deeper into some common classroom accommodations. So there are four subcategories that I keep in mind when I'm thinking about accommodations. The first is presentation or the input of instructional content. So an accommodation that might be appropriate is pre-teaching, pre-teaching the vocabulary before the lesson, or providing a graphic organizer so that as information is being presented, it can be organized into a structure that makes it more accessible. The next category is response or the output. How is the student going to show what they know? Maybe it's they're verbally giving an answer and there's a scribe. Or maybe math manipulatives are provided for the student to demonstrate how they understand that information. The next category is setting whether that is preferential seating or maybe it's a change in location. And the last is timing, extended time or a change in the schedule, maybe something's in the morning versus the afternoon, whatever has been determined appropriate. If you're at the beginning stages having conversations at the IEP meeting table to determine what accommodations are appropriate, I think it'd be really helpful to see a list of examples of different accommodations divided into these different subcategories, presentation, response, setting, and timing. So I want to start with a very common classroom accommodation I know I've seen a lot and maybe you have as well. It's preferential seating. What does that even mean? So preferential seating is determined by wherever the child learns best. Many people will interpret that as close proximity to the teacher, but it might mean just the opposite. Maybe they learn best away from the teacher. Maybe they learn best near the door, or maybe they have to be far away from the door, which could be a distraction. Preferential seating could also include flexible seating options. Maybe there's a alternative seating option that will help that child focus. There should be a clarifying statement added to the IEP that will determine what this could look and feel like. I think that would be really helpful so we don't have to guess or worse, use trial and error. The next accommodation that I've seen on a lot of IEPs is extended time. Again, what does that look like? If it's on the IEP as an accommodation, then that that extended time is everywhere that student is giving a response. Or maybe you want to have it clarified on the IEP as just testing. So that is something that's very important. 
In our district, we did not have to clarify exactly what extended time meant because our district had it as time and a half. So that was understood by everyone. If you do not have that in a statement, that's something I would definitely add to the IEP. Okay, the next one is the use of visual aids. Now, I keep talking about these clarifying statements because I don't want wasted time with our students. I want someone to know this accommodation has been like proven to work. We decided it was appropriate. Let's get to it. But this next one, I wouldn't be so fast to do that. It's visual aids. And visual aids, as we know, can look so different from classroom to classroom setting to different content areas. So what I would do is I would talk about, I guess visual aids have been determined to be really supportive for the student to access the general education curriculum. And I would provide some examples, but I wouldn't leave it as this is what it looks like because I wouldn't want to close the door on the student working with the teacher to gain access in another appropriate way visually. So here's the examples I would provide. It could be um, providing pictures to text. It could be providing graphs or charts. Maybe it's a graphic organizer to help organize the instructional content so that they can retain the information better. I know that when I was working with students, it was a very open-ended page. I would take it and draw boxes like around each for example, math problem or a comprehension question that helped my students like stay in the box and not get distracted about everything else that was going on. I loved to fold paper to do the exact same thing. Maybe I would fold it into quarters and we would focus on a quarter of the page. Then we'd flip it over and work on the second quadrant or whatever it was on that page. So I wouldn't want to put such a specific clarifying statement to limit what this visual aid could look like, but I would give some examples just to support whatever educator is inheriting that IEP and reading it. All right, I'm excited to talk about this next accommodation because I've just found it so effective when we had determined this was appropriate for a student. And it's the idea of pre teaching. That does not have to be a whole lesson, anything formal. It could even be um, a conversation about a topic so that you can provide some background knowledge, see what the student already knows, clear up any kind of misconceptions. And this would happen before a student was going to be hearing about this topic in the whole group instruction. And it was wonderful and so effective because then as a student was getting that information in the whole group, they had some context or somewhere where they could attach that information. It also could look like pre-teaching vocabulary. Um, this was really effective even in math where we're not possibly focused on the language quite as much, but it could certainly be what is needed for my student to access that information, the instruction. So pre-teaching could look like text card with a picture example or whatever is appropriate for your student. All right, I saved this one for last. It's a pretty common accommodation. I've seen it on a lot of IEPs and I know that I have used it and determined it was an appropriate accommodation for many of my own students. However, I've also seen this one misunderstood quite often. It's the accommodation of frequent and or multiple breaks. Now, as an instructional coach working with special educators, this is the one I heard the most pushback on. The idea was, why? Why would you interrupt instruction when things are going so well to provide a break? They don't even need a break right now. Let's just keep going. 
and I completely understand. I have definitely fallen into that as well. But I am here to say that there's a reason. There's a reason that break has been determined as an appropriate accommodation. And I find that even when things are going so well and you're thinking about like saving time, it is not worth it. If you take those multiple breaks, you may be actually saving yourself time in the long run versus having a student need to take a break. I always want to provide that break before they need it so they can take it appropriately. Maybe it's a drink of water, quick walk, change of scenery. If you miss that window and they have to take a break, that's probably not going to be as positive an experience. And it's really not fair to your student. So that one is there for a reason. I think it would be really helpful to write that statement down in the IEP to help people understand why we have that in place. Yes, things might seem like they're going really well. Do we really need to keep this accommodation? And the answer is yes. And if not, if we have determined that like, oh, they really don't seem to need this anymore, of course we can fade it, but that's a conversation coming back to the meeting table and determining that. If it's on the IEP, we need to do it. So I wanted to share these common classroom accommodations because I thought the information would be helpful, but also because as a special educator, you may find yourself in positions to have these conversations with other educators, really defending why the accommodation's in place and talking about what it could look like and feel like. So I hope this was helpful in providing some of those examples. Now, I mentioned a clarifying statement that could be added to the IEP. The example I gave was with preferential seating. I think that is the number one way to help the student get what they need and provide that helpful information to other educators. But I also know that we sometimes are working with IEPs that we didn't write. So if that information is missing, hopefully this podcast has given you some examples of what those conversations could look like, how we could explain, and how we can all get on the same page of supporting our students. Hope that was helpful for you. If you're looking for more information, definitely check out the show notes. It will link to a blog post that gives more information and examples. I also invite you to listen to episode nine, which was all about accommodations versus modifications. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time in the special educators resource room. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'm dying to ask, what'd you think? Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. You can find the show notes and links for everything mentioned in this episode at positivelylearningblog.com. See you next week for more special education solutions.